let's uh, let's get into today's stuff here. Let's just pray. Lord, we have been worshiping you and recognizing that you are the same God. What a beautiful song. Celebrating that the ways that you worked in the lives of Moses and Mary and David, you still do those same things today. It's a wonder and a privilege as we open scripture to see the ways that you are still working because you haven't changed. Thank you for that reminder in Hebrews that says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you will continue acting as you are, as we see in scripture, for as long as we have life. So Lord, we we celebrate you. Would you open our eyes? Would you open our ears? Would you sensitize us to your truths, to the ways that you are speaking? Would Would you bring your word alive that we might live it? Make us people who live your word, not people who simply know your word. Lord, I I don't want to stand in front of you and be judged because I knew more than I applied. Lord, spare us from that. And would would you guide us and empower us and pour your love and your spirit out in such a way that it is our joy to live everything that we know. It is our act of love to you who has done far more for us than we will ever accomplish for you. But Lord, would you, would you awaken in us joy and life by stepping into the life of Christ? Pour out your spirit that we may live his life to your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you heard of the game Two Truths and a Lie? It's often used as an icebreaker, right? To get to know people, you share two things that are true about you and one that is not true, right? One that's a lie. So I'm going to give you uh, two truths and a lie about me, and then we'll move on, okay? So here, are, here they are, you can, and you guys can vote on which one you think is correct, all right? So here are, here are the three, and then you guys can, you can vote, all right? Uh, number one, I have an underactive thyroid and take medication every day. Number two, I have never been pulled over by a police officer. Number three, I have a visible scar on my face. Here they are. Who thinks it's the underactive thyroid? That's the lie. So who thinks it's the lie? Only two, three, okay. Who thinks it's that I've never been pulled over? I'm taking this personally, by the way. (laughs) Who thinks it's number three of a visible scar on my face? (laughs) Actually, all three are true. Sorry, I tricked you. Um, I do have an underactive thyroid and I take medication every day. And as someone who talks about healing and preaches and believes in healing, 
I have not yet received full healing for everything I would like. And I share that on purpose. I have never been pulled over. And I shared that just to rub it in your face. (laughs) More likely just because I rubbed it in your face, right? Uh, Number three, I actually do have a visible scar on my face. Um, Just under my lip here, I was jumping on a trampoline in the rain as a young and dumb 16 or 17 year old and the blood came just pouring out everywhere. Um, so the, it wasn't really two truths in a lie. It's three truths. Anyway, we are going to move into a video clip. What's that? I, wow. Busted. Three truths in a lie. Screwed up the game. Well done. Well done. I want you in every sermon and anything that you interact with in a book, in the chosen, as we will see here in a moment, I want you to look for the truth and I want you to look for the lie. I'm not going to go so far as to say exactly that they're lying here, but there are things that simply aren't right. And I, I want to, to raise it in, because it touches on what we're going to talk about today. Um, So it leads very much into some very good stuff. Um, Yet there is so much in this video clip that is good and right and true. And you'll probably have a very hard time spotting what is off. And I raise that to to warn you as well. Um, So please don't emotionally bond with everything that is about to take place here. And also notice that this is, and know ahead of time, this is a very heavy clip. So if those of you who are feelers and who who just resonate with other people's emotions, this is a heavy, weighty, emotional clip. And it's going to touch some nerves. And so I I want you to sort of guard yourselves a little bit for that uh, and prepare you for that, okay? So we're going to take, this is about a five-minute clip. It's Jesus talking to one of his disciples. He has just finished commissioning the 12. So it's season three, um, episode two, for those of you listening to the tape. Um, We don't do tapes anymore. Recording. Anyway, shows my age. Um, Jesus has just finished commissioning his 12 to go out and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. And he has one particular disciple who has some more questions about that. And so we're going we're gonna to watch Jesus' interaction with him. We're going to look for the good, but we're also going to be aware that this is someone's interpretation of Scripture, which means we're all fallible, right? So we're going to also start to, I am going to share both the good things that I have seen in this, and you'll see more, no doubt, um, but then also interact with one thing that I needs, I think needs to be critiqued, uh, and it leads into what we have been talking about, okay? So I'm going to play this for us, and then we will uh, continue. I love The Chosen. I, I, I have found the, the Jesus in The Chosen, the most compelling Jesus I have ever seen, um, when so many other things that, you know, actors playing Jesus just seem cheesy. Um, I, I love The Chosen. I, I have found them to be quite historically accurate and very thoughtful. Um, I think there are a lot of fantastic things that are in this scene itself in his interaction with little James about healing. 
the, the fact that God redeems suffering. And he does. He is an expert in redeeming suffering. That you see on full display the compassion of God in this particular interaction. And it's beautiful. And I, I love it. Um, I, I love his emphasis on you don't have to be healed before God will use you to heal. That's, that's fantastic. And it needs to be heard. That's why I shared about my thyroid this morning. There are a lot of good things that come out of this, and you could name more. There, there's one thing, though, that I, I want to, to encourage us to rethink. Because what we see in script, what we see here is someone coming to Jesus for healing, and Jesus says no. And what we see in scripture is not that. Every single person who comes to Jesus in the Gospels for healing, receives it. Every single person. And he never sends someone away saying, it would be better for you or me or both of us that you not be healed. Never once in the Gospels. So they're t- they, they are taking an interpretive spin on some other scriptures and bringing it into the Gospels. That's a slightly different conversation. But we're going to park on Jesus, and Jesus never, ever sent someone away. In fact, scripture is explicit that everyone who came to him asking for healing received it, and I'm going to walk you through them. Okay, so that you see it for yourself. So would you grab your Bibles, please? Let's begin in Matthew 8, verse 16. Matthew 8, verse 16 says, That evening they brought to him, Jesus, many who were demonized, And he cast out the spirits with a word and cured all who were sick. And then it goes on to say the the verse we quoted last week. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. We'll come back to Isaiah 53 in a little bit. All. Did you you see that? It's right there. All. All who needed a cure got it. Go over just a couple of pages to chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus departed, many followed him, and he cured all of them. All again. Everyone who came to Jesus here got healing. Go to Luke 4, verse 40. As the sun was setting, all those caring for any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. Everyone who came got a personal touch and the healing they asked for from Jesus. 
go over to chapter 6, verse 19. Everyone in the crowd was trying to touch him, for power came out of him, and he healed all of them. And lest you think this is limited to the ministry of Jesus, go to Acts chapter 5, verse 16. Let's actually read the whole um, paragraph there. So start at verse 12, chapter 5 in Acts. Now many signs and wonders were done among the people through the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared go join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Yet more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, great numbers of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them in cots and mats in order that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he came by. A great number of people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all. So I want to make two points related to this. I've already made them. Everyone who came to Jesus received the healing they asked for, and he never sent anyone away who asked for one. The other link I want to make between this clip that we just watched links in with today's passage because Jesus uses the exact same, the Jesus of the chosen here uses the exact same line that Jesus will speak to the man at the pool in John chapter five. He asks him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? In the chosen, he says, no. In John five, he says, yes. Let's go read John five together. John 5, beginning at verse 1. Now after this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew, um, and your translation has probably a bunch of different names. It might say Bethesda, it might say Bethsaida, it might say Bethzatha. That's just... One of those weird things that happens sometimes in passing along manuscripts is the name is a little bit unclear. So I'm gonna, you're probably going to notice me call it different names, but either way, it's not a big deal. Okay? So this pool has um, five porticos, which are just covered areas uh, around the pool. And in, in these covered areas lay many ill and blind and lame and paralyzed people. And one man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The ill man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Whether this was something God was doing, or you might see in a footnote, it seems like possibly an angel was doing this. Um, you, you may have heard that this is more local legend than actually happening. Hard to know. 
And a little bit beside the point, so I'm not going to get into sort of the history of this pool, okay? Suffice it to say that the people were gathering around this pool, waiting for water to bubble up so that those who got into the pool might receive a healing. Okay, that's what's happening there. He says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm making my way down the steps into the pool, someone steps down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk. And at once the man was made, the man was made well and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who'd been cured, it's the Sabbath, it's not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, the man who made me well said to me, take up your mat and walk. They asked him, who's this man who said to you, take up your mat and walk? And the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you've been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. And we're going to pause there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, I don't normally title my sermons, um, but if you're looking for one, this I'm going to group this into certainties, possibilities, and mysteries. We see all three in this text. Let's start with some certainties. Remember that what we, when we see Jesus, we are looking at God. Jesus shows us what the Father is like. He says, he says that explicitly to his disciples. If anyone has seen me, they have seen the Father. When we are looking at Jesus, we are always looking at God. That probably doesn't need to be said here, but I, I say it anyway. As a reminder, as we look at this text, what we are seeing is God in operation. What we are seeing is God go and find someone who needs healing and have compassion on that person. We see a God of compassion. Let us not forget that it's not just Jesus who has compassion. Jesus represents the Father himself. It is the Father who has compassion on his children, for he knows how we are made, and he remembers that we are dust. Remember that Psalm 145 I quoted a couple of weeks ago. The Lord is good to all. His compassion is over all that he has made. If you ever wonder what God thinks of you, the, one of the first things that had better come to mind is that he has compassion on you in whatever you are going through. He, has, he is first and foremost a God of compassion and mercy. The interesting thing is that here we see a God who does not wait for someone to come to him. Many called out to Jesus. You know, there were times where Jesus would be walking down the road and the blind man says, son of David, have mercy on me, right? There, there are times where people will bring someone, you know, remember they, they cut out a piece of the roof to lower a guy down to bring him to Jesus for healing, right? But here we see a God who goes looking to do it. Someone who didn't come to him. God has that much compassion. When we see Jesus, we are looking at God. Those are certainties. You know what's another certainty? It was the command that made this guy well, not his obedience. Look at the text at verse 8. 
Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk. And at once the man was made well. And he took up his mat and began to walk. It was the command from Jesus, do this impossible thing that made it possible for him to do. The word went out from God's mouth and created a possibility that was not there previously. And we made this point a couple of weeks ago, and I I want to remind us of this, that when God says to you and to me, heal the sick, and we don't have that ability in ourselves, his very command makes that a possibility. It's happened right here. He has commissioned his people, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. And you and I go, I don't have that ability. And God goes, no kidding. But I made it possible by telling you to go do something impossible. And that's the kind of faith, uh, that's the kind of childlike trust that's needed to step into these things. Because we don't have it in us, except that we do by his command. That's the kind of God we serve. He makes impossible things possible by telling us to do it. Those are our certainties. There are a couple of possibilities I want to circle around in this text. Um, particularly, and I'm highlighting these particularly for those of you who are starting to step into praying for the sick. Um, and wanting to do it the way that Jesus does. Um, They're possibilities for us that we will encounter similar things as we go about the same ministry as Jesus. But notice I say they're possibilities. In other words, this is not a diagnosis of every person that you will meet. Okay? It's a possibility that gets raised as we pray for the sick. And I hope you see the difference. So this is not Ben's or the Bible's diagnosis of all of our ills and why we have them. Okay? Possibilities. The first one is, notice Jesus' question. Do you want to be made well? It's a valid question. And we need to be aware of this. And it does get raised in books on healing. Not everyone who is unwell wants to be made well. Sometimes even when they say that they do. And I will give you an example that most of you will be able to resonate with. Your kid complains about a sore stomach on a school day. And you ask yourself, would they actually be complaining about this on a weekend? Because they get a benefit to being sick on a school day, right? You're going to get to stay home. You get maybe some extra TV privileges. You're going to get some extra attention. And that's a trivial example that we know, but it actually does come in bigger and adult forms. Okay? Not everyone who is 
unwell wants to be made well because certain people receive benefits from being unwell. And it's simply a live possibility. It's not a diagnosis that everyone who is unwell does not want to be made well. It's a possibility. And Jesus addresses that here in this text. You'll notice as well that Jesus will often interview people before he goes about the healing. So it would be wise as you move into praying for someone um, who has something that's going wrong, just to ask a few questions. Jesus will say to the the father of the boy who's um, epileptic and demonized and being thrown into the fire, how long has he been like this? Because he gets some information out of it. Um, he, he does that a few times. Uh, the, the guy who is beside the road and he calls out, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus actually interacts with him first. What would you like me to do for you? Maybe he was asking for money, right? Don't just assume, in other words, right? Interact a little bit. Sort of the model that Jesus presents here. Another possibility. Look at verse 14. As you go to pray for the sick, you need to realize that sometimes sin is involved. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse may happen to you. The implication being sin had some sort of cause related to the illness he had. It was dealing with the sin interestingly, was not a barrier to Jesus healing him. But if the sin isn't dealt with, something worse will happen. We need to be aware that sometimes, remember we're in the category of possibilities, sometimes what we are going through actually is related to something we need to confess and deal with. And and the Bible does at times link sin and sickness. Isaiah 53, we'll we'll get to that again in a minute. Um, Psalm 103, um, bless the Lord, O my soul, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. Next one, who heals all your diseases. They're paralleled. Jesus will say to the man who is lowered on the mat, from the roof in front of him, son, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes Jesus deals with or identifies sin because it is related to the condition the person is in. But this is not a prescription or this is not a diagnosis for every single one of the ills that you and I have, but it does mean we need to be aware of it. These are live possibilities for us. So if you have been asking for a healing from the Lord, or if you come to someone and we pray over you for healing, Sometimes God will identify something like that. You say, and you know what the the number one thing that at least that I have seen and heard of um, blocking the healing is forgiveness, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Block things more than anything else that I've seen. And the reason for it, you can find right in the Bible. Jesus says, if you do not forgive your brother, Your heavenly father will not forgive you. If we come to God asking for a gift of grace, but we have not similarly extended grace to our brother and sister, we are asking hypocritically, right? 
be aware of your sins and the need to confess, and especially be aware of relationships. Bitterness is a, is a bad one. And it's so subtle. And it's often masked by hurt because we focus on our hurt and don't acknowledge our bitterness. Because we blame. Right? It's about blame, which takes the focus off us. It's a culture of victimization as well, which are, I'm not going to get into that. Okay. So we've done certainties. We've done possibilities. There are some mysteries here too. Right at the beginning. Mystery. In these porticos around this pool, verse 3, lay many ill and blind and lame and paralyzed people. And God goes to one. And I wrestle with that. I don't have a full explanation for it. And it lands in the category of mystery for me. There were many there. And he had compassion on one and slipped away. He heals the guy and slips away to the crowd. It's a mystery. And it's a mystery that's held in tension with the verses that I read to us at the beginning. Because everyone who came to Jesus got healed. But Jesus did not go to everyone to heal them. And I have to acknowledge both. They're both there in scripture. But there is a difference, right? Um, everyone who comes receives that healing. But God does not go to everyone to heal them. It's a mystery we're going we're gonna to walk through. Because what happens, I, I mean, you talk about healing, and we know people. And what some of us bring conditions to the very room where we're going to talk about healing, right? And so the question then becomes for us, it becomes a pastoral thing, right? Like, okay, God, but I'm praying to you. Is not my prayer landing me in the category of I'm the one going to Jesus for healing and everyone who went to Jesus got healed? These are things to work through in prayer and with others. Don't do it by yourself. I want to land on a mysterious certainty. We emphasize that in this passage, we emphasize that we're seeing God at work. We see God extend compassion. We see God work healing for this guy who has been there for far too long. But Jesus is equally a man. He is equally someone who can do nothing apart from the power of the Spirit on him, which means that he is our example as well. Jesus was sent to heal. And so are we. 
Every time we see Jesus moving in healing, we are seeing not only God at work, what we are seeing is the example of what God calls his people to. It's why Jesus sends his disciples on a mission that's the same one he had to go do the same things he did with the same power that he has, both the power and the authority, the authority he grants from the Father with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see in Jesus here as well. And that's why I wonder if maybe this, what we see here is Jesus doesn't go to everyone because we aren't sent to everyone. You aren't sent to heal all of Red Deer. But we need to be more aware of the fact that we are sent to the one. The one that you can tell that God has particular compassion on at the moment. And you are sent with the power of Jesus to do the works of Jesus or the power of the Spirit to do the works of Jesus. This is our example. Go and do likewise. This is the live possibility that is opened up for us by the command to follow me, to do what he did. What we're going to do is move into communion. We landed on this a couple of weeks ago. Would you open your Bibles and go to Isaiah 53, please? Does everyone want to open these wrappers at once? Because it's awkward when we do it one at a time and we're trying to settle down on what it is that God's saying to us. Open your wrappers, get your elements, and then let's look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he, speaking of Jesus, Isaiah is looking forward to Jesus. There are several moments in Isaiah where God speaks of a servant. And the servant sometimes is a person and sometimes it's the nation, but they're both ultimately pictured in Jesus. And this this looks ahead to Jesus' ministry and his death. And it says, surely he speaking of a Messiah 600 years in the future, has borne, has carried our infirmities, has taken our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, the things we did wrong. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, shalom, was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And as we talked about the other week, Matthew quotes this verse, these these verses to talk about the healing ministry of Jesus, not just his death and resurrection. In other words, what God did in, in this, 
what God did here in the cross was not only to take care of your sins, it was to take care of our diseases as well. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. So we celebrate here both. We look forward to the possibility of seeing more people come to Jesus and find that their sins have been forgiven and come to Jesus and find that the cross has more power than simply over sin. The cross has power over your very body. And may God grant us increasing wisdom and sensitivity to the Spirit to walk in the life of Jesus that we might see more of that be made manifest because it's already there for us. So take this in celebration of all that God offers and wants to do in his people. Lord, thank you for your wonderful cross. Thank you that in your cross, we see that there is healing enough for the entire world because you reconcile enemies to yourself. because you take everything that is wrong and redeem it and make it right. Because you pour out your life and it brings life and wholeness and healing to the world. Lord, would you make us people who see your cross in all of its greatness and glory. Lord, may you make us people who see you as someone we can follow. Not because we have great power or wisdom, but because you have granted us a measure of the same spirit that was on you. Lord, may you be given freedom in our lives and an invitation to do all that you want to do. And may you you train us in the way of Jesus to see the person you want us to minister to. And may you train us in the way of Jesus to, to trust you enough to follow in your footsteps. Because Lord, we want to see people healed. We want to see people reconciled. We want to see people celebrate the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and rule of Jesus. 
Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Lord, train us to walk in your footsteps because Jesus lived a life of bringing heaven to earth. May we do nothing less. May it be all because of what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue in worship. I know that as we we share these messages, one of the questions in the crowd is how. And the only answer that applies to everyone is come. You got to come to Jesus and you got to do it with someone. We are always happy to pray for you. Um, Whether it's for physical healing, spiritual, emotional, just your next steps. Sometimes you need to come because you have a question that hasn't been answered and I haven't got to it. The Lord does invite you to take your next steps, whatever those would be. So if you resonate with come, then come. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and apply Isaiah 53 to you that by his wounds, you would be healed. Go in peace, my friends. Have a great week. Thanks for being here. Blessings on you.